Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. And now, here is Pastor Anthony Riley. Let's dive in. Good morning, Sunrise. How are you doing today? Amen. It's such a blessing to be here in front of you today. My name is Pastor Anthony Raleigh. I'm the campus pastor for Rialto. And I'm so excited that we're beginning a new series simply called All in the Family. And in this series, we're going to challenge you as a family. This morning, I'm going to challenge you as an individual. But then what does that look like for the rest of the family? Um, Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for what you're doing. I pray, Father God, that you open up the hearts and the minds that was sung, Father God, so that we can be vessels used by you. Use me, Father God, in such a way that someone's life will be changed. Family is the bedrock of society. So we pray this morning, Father God, that you remove all distractions Lay them aside, Father God. Talk to us as individuals so that we will make a change for the better just for you. That's our prayer. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. As I stated, we're beginning a new series called All in the Family. And the premise is keeping Christ at the center of your family. The concept of family is extremely important in the Bible, both in a physical sense as well as a theological sense. The concept of family is introduced at the very beginning of Scripture when God said, let there be. He began to create what we call creation, the universe. And then he did something very special for you and I. He formed man out of the dust of the ground. He breathed. He knew not into the man where he became a living naposh, which means a living soul. It is there that he commanded the man to take care of everything that was created. Adam began to do those things. And then Adam found out, hey, there's nothing or no one compatible to me. So God gave him Eve. And he gave the commandment to both of them, and it reads, Genesis 1, 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the bear and the birds, excuse me, in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He gave them dominion. He gave them authority. He gave them charge over what he created they were supposed to manage and here's where God ordains and he commissions what we call family he said be fruitful multiply begin to make this earth something amazing with you Genesis 2 24 says that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh When me and my wife do counseling, I'm very hard on the man. Some of us are mama's boys. We're called and we're commanded to leave our mother and father's home and cleave to our wife. 
The physical family is the most important building block in human society. And as such, it should be nurtured and protected. Now, when I say the word family, many of you may freeze up. Many of you may back up because that was not your upbringing. It was harsh. It was rude. There was no love, no nurturing, no care. So you have this bad taste in your mouth, and that's okay because God can work with that. On the other hand, you may have an amazing family, an amazing environment. Mom, father took care of you, or a caregiver, grandmother, a foster parent. Someone took care of you so you can't speak to the negativity that happens to some. Wherever you find yourself this morning, God can reach you where you are. But the truth of the matter is he wants us to be a better you and me in our family because everyone belongs to a family. So for the next five weeks, we're going to focus our attention on the dynamics surrounding the family. We will discuss various topics, gleaning biblical truths so that we can improve spiritually, emotionally, as well as mentally for the family. The five areas you're going to cover this morning, I'm going to cover Christ at the center of my family, which means it starts with me. If there's going to be any change at all, I have to control what I do in the family. Next week, we're going to talk about Christ at the center of our conversation. How do we bring godly conversation in the room so that we can all move to the same heartbeat, but also for the family members who don't know Christ. How do we communicate with them? Week three, we're going to talk about Christ at the center of change. How do we navigate change and transition within the family? What does that look like? Retirement, adding additional children, losing someone. How do we navigate in a Christian house? Week four, Christ at the center of suffering. I've been attending a lot of funerals in 23, and it seems to be pouring over into 24. But how do we navigate the dark times in our lives and hardships within the family? And then we're going to wrap it up talking about finances at the center when we're dealing with Christ. Many relationships go sour because of money. How can we handle our responsibility at the resources God has given us. So that's kind of an overview of what we're going to do in this series. But this morning, I want to talk about Christ being at the center of my life, of our lives. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 4. This is where we're going to be spending all of our time this morning. As you turn in there, let me give you some background. This letter is written by the Apostle Paul. He has broken this letter up in two parts. The first three chapters talk about the theological framework and what it means to be a blessing in Christ, what it means to have Christ covered over all of us, and how do I live out this inheritance. And the last three chapters talks about basically walking it out. How do I be the example to those around me starting with me? We have a responsibility, and by the Christian faith, We must, hear me, we must let people see Christ in us. Throughout this letter, Paul reminds the followers of Jesus not to become complacent in the things of God, 
Because I don't know about you, sometimes I take advantage of my family. They're the ones we're around the most. They're the ones that get all of the drama when we come home from work, whatever we're doing. And sometimes we can be a little uh, rude with them. So what can God give us today? And in chapter 4 of Ephesians, this is what Paul says in verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the fealty of their thinking. He says, I need you to listen up. You are no longer an unbeliever. You have crossed over into the house of God. You're now washed with the blood of Jesus. You are now received him by faith. So you are supposed to act a certain way. You're in the world, but you're not of this world. Your world is with him. We're just sojourning through what we call life. And he's reminding them who they are, where they've come from. And he's saying, hey, I don't want you to go back there. Because it's nothing but darkness back there. You left that upbringing. You left the unbelievers. So please, please, please remember who you are. He goes on to say in verse 18, he says, The Gentiles are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to, here it is, the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. He says they are so drunk in their thinking. They are so aimlessly walking around. They have no sensors. They have no, it's just all about them. They're not just sticking their toe in the water. They're diving in head first in the water. And they cannot discern right from wrong. He's saying their moral compass is off and they become numb to spiritual matters. Interesting. Is that you? No one can tell you anything. When someone says something in the family, you just blow up. Baby, what? I was just going to say good morning. Oh, how do you reel that back? They're unwilling to learn. Paul goes on to say in verse 20, that, however, is not the way of life you've learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. He said, that was your formal life, but once you found him and you gave your life to him, things begin to change. You begin to get transformed. You begin to not cuss anymore. You begin to work on you and what God is bringing to your attention. That's who you are. Don't forget that. These verses speak to what we call the regeneration in Christ. He's doing a new thing. It's a spiritual process that you and I go through by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. So what does being a Christian really mean? Many people believe that going to church occasionally or simply believing in God makes them a Christian. 
Do you know that the average attender on a Sunday morning is once a month? These individuals believe that I can go to church 12 times a year and I'm good. No prayer life, not in God's word, but for about 12 hours in the whole year, I'm good. There's no, I see why our family is in trouble. I see why there's so much chaos and darkness because if you're only giving God an hour and 15 minutes a month, I love math. That's about 15 hours a year. Paul says you can't do that, but the Bible speaks differently and has a different perspective when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. A Christian is someone who, whose behavior and heart reflects the lifestyle and the attributes of Jesus. Paul says this way in another letter. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. We call that in theological circuits the here, not yet. I'm no longer in the bad world. I have taken hold of the new. So how do I deal with the tension in my life? The already not yet theology. How do I live out Christ in me? In such a way that everyone sees a change in me. And it's so attractive, they're asking me, how and what happened to you? Our desire should be different. Our thinking should be different. And the purposes should be placed with the truth of God. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It means we're striving for perfection. Paul goes on to say in verse 22, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. How do I walk out this new life? That word corrupt in the original language, it talks about having this process of decay. It it speaks of ruin. It speaks of the final end being death. He said how you used to live your life formerly was you just kept indulging, 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 and your body, your spirit was beginning to to, to decay and, and it's ruined and you're heading straight to hell. But, he says, in Christ, you're now made new. So I need you to put on that newness that I so desperately want to give you. I don't know about you, but when I walked in the house, I was toe up from the floor up, and my life was in shambles, and I didn't know what was going on, but then Christ got a hold of me and began to change me from the inside out. I know that's many of your stories because I've heard them personally. Paul is challenging the status quo. I believe if Paul was here today, he'll be canceled. (laughs) We're in this canceled culture. Because no one really wants to know the truth because everyone creates their own truth. But what Paul is saying, again in verse 24, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I love those words, righteousness and holiness. 
You don't hear those words too often anymore in church, especially not in the home. To be righteous, to be living right before God, that's what it means. To be in right relationships with those around you. To be holy means to be set apart for God's use, which means you're yielding who you are, all your faculties to him. That's what it means to be righteous. Why did I give you those two definitions? I want you to put those definitions in your mind. I want you to use them as a mirror because I'm going to read the next seven verses and they're negative in tone. I want you to see if you can identify some of the behaviors that you exhibit in your family. I've done it. It stings, but it's healthy. We're going to start with verse 25. This is what Paul says. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Here's a question. Do you lie and pervert the truth to advance your position in your family? You know, you guys call them little white lies. Do, do you lie? That's not you. Let's move on. Verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, this verse is taken out of context all the time. Pastor preached last week and he said, we can't go to sleep until we talk through this. The Bible says, don't go to sleep angry. We can't go to sleep. We're going to be sinning. So you keep your husband or your wife up to four o'clock in the morning. Amen. Asking, who moved the cheese? That's not what it's saying. It's saying is, you need to put it to the side. Be adults about the conversation. When you're both calm, come back together and have an adult conversation when all the emotions are not up there. But when you say you're going to have a conversation, have it. That's not you. Let's move on. Do you blow up with your spouse or your children? Lord have mercy. Your brothers and sisters are your parents. Verse 28 says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do you steal from your family? Well, pastor, I don't steal money. Okay. Do you sap the energy out your parents? Do you steal their joy? Are you still in electricity while you laying on a couch? <laughs> Amen. And you're 35 years old. Are you still living with your mother? <laughs> it's going to get easy. Amen. It's going to get easy. What are you not contributing to the family? 
parents, are you deflating your children? Do they not want to come home? Because every time they come home, it's something else. When they should be nurtured and loved and cared for. Let's move on to verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building of others according to their needs, not yours. I put that in there. That it may benefit those who listen. Just because you write doesn't mean it's the right time to have that conversation. Because it might not be building them up. In fact, it may be tearing them down. And you're wondering why they're heading to divorce court. Because they're tired of the bullying. It's going to be a difficult, we got to lay the foundation. When you speak to your family, do you use and bring up unnecessary conversations in the room? Are you someone that has to bring the tension in the room? Are you someone just who tears people down? You're just like your father. You're just like your mother. I wish I never had you. You were a mistake. These are what we are ministering to and counseling at Sunrise Church. Kind of harsh, huh? Those are the ones who's been broken. And they're trying to figure out what does family even look like for me? Verse 30 and 31. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed from the day of redemption. This is another verse that's taken out of context. Can the Holy Spirit get grieved? Yes. Because once you receive Jesus Christ, it hurts God's feelings when you talk to people like you talk to them. Why? Because he wants you and I, and I'm not innocent here. He wants you and I to create a place where people feel honored, loved, and respected. Okay, pastor, none of those I don't identify with any of those. Well, this is the catch-all. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. This is your catch-all. What does malice mean? Malice simply means any form of ill will or moral weakness. We're all sinners in here. No one is perfect. So, this is the catch-all. As I read those verses, I wonder how you're feeling right now. When I read them, I was a little saddened because I began to rehearse or go over how I treated my wife and my children and the people that God put in my space. And I came to the conclusion Anthony, you have a whole lot of work to do. So let's get to it. What's interesting is every time uh, on Monday, the pastors get together and we begin to pour over the word of God and see what we're going to bring on Sunday. And one of the pastors uh, told us an exercise that he did with his kids. 
Now, I don't have the boldness of what this pastor did. Maybe you do. So I want to tell you what he did. He got his kids in a room with his wife, and he says, I was doing my devotional time, and they challenged me. So what I want you to do is I want you to do, look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and these are what the word says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He said, I want you to look at this scripture. And I want you to list my best three. And then the worst three. And when he looked at their answers, the three he thought of, that's exactly how he was. But the other three stunned him. And he said it was a gut check. But he's so thankful that he did the exercise because it reminded him how fall, how falling, how short he's fallen, excuse me. He says, now I know how I'm supposed to treat my children and what I need to work on if I'm going to be a better father for him. So he took that as an opportunity to live out his gospel. Because if anything's going to change, it has to start within our homes. There's so many examples in the Bible that speaks of dysfunctional families. I want to give you a couple. You have Adam and Sarah. That's a lie. You have Abraham and Sarah. God promised them that they would have a child together. God said, take me at my word. They got tired of waiting. So Sarah convinces Abraham to go outside of marriage and have sex with a slave. Sounds like the Maury show. <laughs> you have the first parents, the siblings. You have Cain and Abel. Cain was so jealous of his brother that he killed him. That's still happening. You have Jacob and Esau. He manipulated his own brother. He said, you hungry? Yes. You want some of this pot of stew? Give me your birthright. You have King David. Didn't take care of unresolved conflict in a home, dealing around the subject of rape. And it kept going throughout the home. You even have Jesus with his siblings. You ain't the Messiah. We know who you are. If you are that, go to the next city and see if they're going to listen to you. He's setting them up to possibly get hurt. What's interesting with all of those examples I've given you, God still loved them through their imperfections. Why did you give me that, Pastor? Because I want you to know you're not and I'm not too far gone for God to help us with our imperfections. So if you're someone that steals, that manipulates, Lord, I pray that you're not walking outside, messing around with someone that's not your spouse, God can still do it. Despite the sinful nature, God still wants to be part of our lives because he gave us those negatives. But look at the positive. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just 
as in Christ, God forgave you. It begins with us first forgiving ourselves, asking God to forgive us, and then begin to make it right within the family. You may ask, how do you do that? He answers it in the next chapter. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know how you're going to get it right in your families? Follow God's example. How do you do that? Picture the cross. What did God give up? What should you give up? What do you need to sacrifice? How do you need to lean in? What does that look like for you? And here's the deal. It's not about you. And it's not about me. I want you to write this statement down. It's going to be the foundation for the rest of the topic. We would never have a perfect family, but we can decide to have a Christ-centered family. Your family will never be perfect, but you can have Christ in the center of it. And if Christ is in the center of it, we're already winning. So how do we make this a reality? I want to give you three spiritual choices you can make to move your family to the next level to being a Christ-centered family. Number one, you have to decide to place Christ in the center of your life. You have to decide. You can't drag your spouse here. You have to decide. Ephesians 4 says again, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self and put on the new self. Take off that jacket of lying. Take off that jacket of manipulation. Take off that jacket of fornication. Take off those isms that's hindering you from being all that God wants you to be. And then you put on love, kindness, compassion, righteousness, holiness. As you're taking off, you're putting on. Why? Because God wants to be in the center of your life. That's what he wants. I like how Paul says in Romans 12, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as labor and sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. But here's the key. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He wants you to begin to change your mindset. Uh, transform means metamorphosis. It means he wants you to transform your way of thinking. He wants you to go out with the new, and he wants you to replace it with things thereof. So how do we do that? You have to get in the word of God. You and I have been raised in a particular family at a particular time. We've taken on different types of practices, good and bad. So how do we know what's bad? We have to read his word. We have to get plugged in to biblical teaching. Congratulations to you here listening to God's word. But you have to go further than 12 days out of the year. 
starting this Wednesday, we're starting Rooted. If you have not taken Rooted, please, as Paul said, I urge you, I beg you, I implore that you go to the next step table and say, where do I sign up? If you've done that, we have growth groups that also start this week. We're talking about marriage. We're talking about other issues. Go outside to the next step table. Find out what you need help in. Put your name on the paper. Those who are parents, godparents, caregivers, we are starting the conference this weekend. We want to give you the tools you need so that you can bring up the next generation in a healthy way. We're going to be talking about sex from elementary to middle to high. We're going to be talking about the birds and the bees. You think that they don't know, they know already. We're going to be talking about gender identity. There's so much stuff out there, especially in the schools. What? Amen. <laughs> Technology. This is for your parents too. You worse than your kids. And then you want to get on that case. How long you been on that phone? Just about as long as you've been on the phone. These are the tools we want to give you so that we can get the children ready for the next generation. So sign up. It doesn't cost too much of anything. You have some good times on Friday, come back on Saturday, have some pancakes, and we're going to dive in. But we want to give you the tools you need. Why? Because God wants to change who you are. The second thing. You have to decide to include Christ in your family culture. If you're not going to take care of their home, who is? You just can't let anything and everything enter your home. We wonder why our children are off along with ourselves because they're only off because we're off. Me and my son were talking uh, last week, and I kind of was reading my script to him. I said, son, what do you think about this? He said, well, dad, just don't stop there. I said, well, what are some other ways that people can be influenced in a negative way? He said, well, in music, in commercials, in billboards, uh, movies. He said, and also television. I said, yeah, that's why I was going with television. So since we're talking about family, I want to introduce some sitcoms to you, and I want to see if you listen to these sitcoms or watch them with your children as you guys are talking. Do you watch American Dad, Family Guy, The Proud Family, Modern Family, and for those people who are seasoned, Married with Children? All of these sitcom says what a family should look like, and it's all false. They do nothing but bicker, they fight, they yell, they scream, they belittle, they step out, and all of those things that's toxic. And we're watching this. Do you know that it's sensibility matches in you? Pastor, I'm spiritual. Right. But it still finds a way of getting into your psyche and you begin to speak and act 
the stronger spirit wins. And if you're not in your word and you're not combated, and if you are uh, exposing yourself to it, especially your children, that's, that's, not, that's not cool. I'm not judging you. I have, like I said, I have some work to do. But what they're doing is they are showing us uh, poor images through entertainment and laughter. And we're not understanding what's really happening. And one of the areas where the enemy is gaining traction and terrain, and it hurts me to say this, is in the area of family. We have to be serious about what God is calling us to do. Paul says again in Ephesians 5, walk in the way of love. We have to, love is an action. We have to walk in love. So what does that look like for us? Parents, we have to create an atmosphere of trust and safety for our children. Spouses, we have to put our needs, uh, we have to put our spouse's needs before our own. We don't have to be combative about everything. Siblings, you can decide not to argue and fight with your brother or sister. Children, you need to honor your parents by not making everything a debate. I need you to put your shoes on. Why? Because we're about to leave. Why? Parents, don't deflate. Your children, don't belittle them. Don't talk down on them. They get enough of that in the world. They should be protected in the home. What am I saying? We need to fight for our family. We need to fight for our parents. We need to fight for our children. We need to fight for everyone around us. Why? Because we will never have a perfect family. But we can decide to have a Christ-centered family. Here's the last one. You have to decide to communicate the good news to the world. Me and my wife, we make our house a house of community. What do I mean by that? We invite anybody and everybody if they want to come. Why? Because we want to create a space. Our kids bring their friends over because we want to show them the love of Christ. If we don't show them, who will? Paul says again in verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. You and I have to introduce Christ to them. We have to show them something different because love is attractive. Trust me, it's attractive. They're going to want to know more about it. He says in verse 25 again, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? Everyone. But when you speak truthfully, you don't have to be mean and condescending and, and hit them in the head with a hammer. Get to know them. Begin to start the conversation. I guarantee you it will go if you're doing things God's way and not trying to manipulate it. I love how Paul says in Romans chapter 10, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. It's beautiful when we step into places and spaces and say, hey, let me tell you about Christ. Hey, let me tell you about my testimony. Hey, things can be different. Hey, you don't have to live that way. Why do you yell every time you say something? Why are you bullying people? What does that bring to you when you do that? 
man, that's just how I was raised. Well, how were you raised? And then you begin to know this person, and now you can speak to them in a God-honoring way. Why? Because he will see or she will see the Christ in you. We have to do things God's way. My question to you are, are you living a life of Christ? If you were to truly look in the mirror, can you recognize yourself as being an an image bearer of Christ? Or do you just go along with the flow and everybody else? I love our church because we preach the word. In season and out of season, we are here to stay. We're here to preach the good news to all that we hear. If I was a point on you, can I, uh, would you do it? Do you know Christ is what I'm asking you? Do you have a relationship with him? Or, as my son taught me two weeks ago, are you just floating? Are you just floating in life? Which means you don't care either way. You're just going through the motions. If that's you, I want to have a conversation with you because your life is never going to make sense for you if it doesn't start on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So we can all just bow our heads and close our eyes. Yes, we do it every week. Why? Because I'm not stupid and I'm not naive. Everyone in here is not saved. My prayer is that you heard something. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit has took hold of you and that you'd like, you know what? This is a new year. 24 is going to be different. I'm giving my life to Christ. If that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer after me in the silence of your heart. Just say, Lord, I'm broken. I need help. I admit that I'm in darkness. I admit that I'm not doing things the way God says do them. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus Christ just for me. And because of that, I yield my life to him. Today I'm going to commit my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If that was your prayer, I want to be the first to say congratulations. But I also want to give you some talking points. Take out your phone. I need you to text NEXT at 909-281-7797. We have people that want to help you get plugged into the things of God. Or just check, I said yes to Christ, tear it off and put it into the bag. Again, someone will get in contact with you for the rest of us. We have to fight for our families. We have to fight for the next generation. And it begins with you. You and I must put Christ at the center. We must be willing to involve Christ in all our family affairs. And lastly, we have to communicate to the world. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for each person in this room. Bless them, bless their families. 
This was a hard conversation, but it was needed. Help us to be the best we can. Forgive us of our sins, how we treated our family, the ones you put close to us. Help us and give us the power to move forward in new days and new things. As we shift, Father God, for tithes and offering, I pray that those who give, bless them. Bless their hearts how you see fit. If someone has nothing to give, I pray that they, they give you their heart today. That's our prayer. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.